All right, Talk Too Much, episode nine. Welcome back. I'm here with a special guest this week, my boy Eric Nixick, um, gym manager at Extreme Couture here in Las Vegas. Eric, tell everybody about yourself a little bit, what you do. Yeah, man, I'm a Extreme Couture gym manager. Been there for uh, over 12 years, run the pro team. Uh, myself and Dennis Davis, Ray Suffo, Nate Pettit. So, What does Gray Maynard do there? Uh, so Gray is recently semi-retired. We haven't decided that yet, you know. Oh, he's still, is he still fighting? He, he could still fight, you know. But uh, as of right now, I have Gray doing a lot of coaching. Phenomenal, phenomenal coach. He's doing a lot of I saw it, dude. So. He's very interactive with the kids. Man, he's unreal. I have a question. Do you, um, when a fighter's on the fence, mm. like, uh, am I about to retire or not, do you have any say in that, or do you just let the fighter make his choice? A little bit of both. So it just, it just depends on the relationship that I have with that guy. You so said he's like your best friend too, He's one right? of my best friends. And we've, when we've had that conversation. And in that particular conversation, I'm never going to tell another man how to make their money or how to continue to make their money. Um, but if I feel that they're getting to a point where this could be a, a detriment to their livelihood later on, meaning CTE, concussions. You, you get a lot of those. Martin Cantman was one of them. You know, and, and I, I kind of lived and walked that path with him through that time. He's suffering know? right now from... He's better. He's way better now. But, you know, there was a there's about maybe two, three-year period of, of Martin really having a hard time with concussions, vestibular and cerebral concussions. So, you know, it's a matter of understanding and kind of seeing the symptoms and how to handle those things. You know, you got to think. When we first opened Extreme Couture... When did you guys open it, by the uh, way? That was... Um, 13 years, you said? Yeah, so 2007, I think it All actually right. was, maybe, yeah. So there was bangers in there, man. Practice was just going, and it wasn't controlled sparring. It was fighting, right? I so, saw some people going pretty hard at your practice. Well, yeah, we go, we go pretty hard yeah. at that, and that's actually more controlled. You know, back then it was like Vandalay and Vitor and Forrest. Oh, and, you trained and, with them? I mean, there was just killers in the room constantly you know and guys were knocking the shit out of each other so i have a question for you <laughs> vanderlei vitor forrest that's like the og generation of mma fighters yeah that's what you know got mma to its name mm -hmm. before we move on do you think that generation of fighters can compete with today's generation of fighters uh, now, forget name value your honest opinion on that are you talking right now where they're at or in their prime in their prime versus, versus guys, versus guys today in their prime. Absolutely, I think they can. Why? Uh, well, I think you gotta think about the, the duration of wear on their bodies over the years. Now you take them in their prime where they didn't have that wear and tear on their bodies and they were fresh and they were roided out of their minds as well. They were all roiding home. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, you know, the majority <laughs> of those guys were all, all roided up. But the point is, is that yes, you take that skill set that Vitor had back then I mean, Vitor should have been either fighting for titles or contending for titles. He was very vicious, man. He's a bad motherfucker, you know? So I'm going to ask you about this. You recently coached Jessica I, yeah. who fought for the women's strawweight or yep, bantamweight, strawweight, strawweight championship strawweight, yep. at UFC 238 against Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, flyweight. Flyweight, yep. flyweight against mm -hmm. Valentina Shevchenko. Um, Obviously, we know the result. Valentina yeah. won via first-round knockout. Second. Second-round knockout. Um, you were very, you're very close with Jessica. You're mm -hmm. one of her head trainers. Can you talk more about that process and what it was like that night? How does she feel? Sure, yeah. You, you know, she did a great job setting that kick up. And that was a big 
thing that we had the whole camp. The head kick? Yeah, we wanted to make sure we were covering for that head kick, you know. And obviously there was some things that she wasn't doing technique-wise that I wanted to get her better. Jessica? Yeah. And obviously open stance, you got southpaw orthodox, yeah? And when that southpaw kick comes, if you're standing kind of in the square, you're going to take more of the head kick, more of the blunt of the kick. But as you see the kick come, you want to slide to the outside yeah. foot and take away some of that. It also allows you to counter with your cross, right? Now, when you think about southpaw orthodox, you want to have your lead foot on the outside of that foot, right? So you catch the kick, you slide, there's your cross for the counter. The big thing for her, I wanted to make sure that she wasn't so content on throwing the counter punch, was moreover is what? Catching the kick. Fuck the counter punch, make sure you block the kick, right? Mm -hmm. That's the danger. Counter punch is the cherry on top. She was setting up that kick with a lot of vicious body kicks. Correct, through the body shot. So what was Jessica, what was your mindset when you were seeing her throw these body kicks? Did you know the kick was gonna come? Oh, absolutely. So she has to stay in her shell, right? So if you stay a little high and coming underneath that elbow, that's where your liver's gonna be and that's where the, the kick's gonna sneak through. You wanna connect your elbow to your hip and stay in your shell, but also what you wanna do is you wanna make sure that you're grabbing the back of your ear to connect to make sure you're blocking the head kick as well. So mm -hmm. when you get, catch that kick, you wanna sit and everything stays in your shell. Uh -huh. And that was, was not happening, right? So in the corner, that's something that I talked to her about. Hey, you gotta stay in your shell when you catch that kick and you gotta make sure that you slide off. She's looking to set up that head kick. Did she know it was coming? Did she have a feeling, all right, she's gonna throw that kick or was well, she? Well, ironically in the corner, the first body kick she threw, the next words out of my mouth is, get out of kick range, she's gonna kick high. The word high got out of my mouth, and she was asleep. You yelled that? I swear to fucking God. Before she got knocked? Right as she got knocked out. Fuck. Body kick, and then like, her brother's sitting right behind me in the corner. Get out of that kick range, she's gonna go high. High came out of my mouth. Dude, what was your plan on how, how like, how were you going into that fight? Like, what was, how do you generate offense against Valentina? What was your plan on that? So you can't, you can't allow harmony in the pocket, right? You got a, you got a Muay Thai fighter who's one of the best in the world. And we talked probably top five overall. Like, oh, bro. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's man or woman. I don't give that's a fuck. That's what I'm like, saying, bro. Broken fucking scrap. So you have to, you have to disrupt rhythm. What do, I, what do I mean by that, right? You can't you can fucking stand in the pocket and go, all right, tit for tat, boom, boom, Yeah, boom. just let her keep shooting right. off. So you have to be able to change levels. You have to be able to hit her to her stomach, come back upstairs to the hook. You have to be awkward, right? She wants harmony. She wants fucking clean pocket, boom. You have to hit her with drive-bys and reset. You have to touch her legs and come upstairs. That's so hard, I feel like, to get a fighter to do in three months, to train her. Well, and, and we had every fucking thing stacked against us in this camp. We really did. But I love a good challenge, dude. You know, she moved out from her old gym to Strong Style from to Extreme Couture. We had a 12-week camp with injuries involved, you know, learning a new system, learning new verbiage. What injuries? Learning. What injuries, if you know Well, she had a couple things. A couple things. Yeah, the up epidural. With her. Yeah, she had some stuff going on. But, um, you know, no excuses. I mean, it's part of the sport. That's what we do. So I'm going to ask you some. I asked you this before when we met. Um, Valentina, I honestly didn't know. I thought, do you think, before I ask you this, this do you think Jessica can grapple with Valentina? I think Jessica can grapple with Valentina topside, right? Yeah. So have we scored takedowns and control hips and wrestle topside grappling and smother her? I do. If you go back and watch the Julia Pena fight, the pressure that she put on Julia Pena. Or who Julia was a Pena, tough fight. Who was a tough fight. Julia Pena put the pressure on her and was able to score those takedowns and smother hips and stay topside. The whole idea was when you get that takedown is to control out of half guard. You want to control that bottom leg. 
you know, you get too many jujitsu players that want to go mount and this and this and that. Fuck that, dude. Get to half guard. That's where my predecessor was. Randy Couture made all of his money is out of half guard. You kill that bottom leg, you get an underhook, and you beat their fucking head in, right? So that's the was main game plan is to smother the hips and cook her. Did you expect Valentina to go for a takedown? Because I didn't. Well, you know, I think that the injury that came out. The uh, right yeah, here or some shit? Because, dude, we were talking about it. Like, I told you already. I, the weirdest thing about that fight, I thought Valentina looked so dope. But when, I, when she took Jessica down, she wasn't doing shit. She was just had her in a hug. She was just squeezing. Not even one punch well, for like two minutes. From, from my understanding, and again, this is just hearsay. Yeah. That, that the injury that she had was known throughout the PI. It's a high school there. I'm not, I'm not telling you. I'm just, from what I've heard. And which that, is a possibility. Which is a very real possibility that, hey, she has a back injury. And if you take her down and hug on that back... Right? And did she feel it? Like, was it hurting her when she bro, was? Bro, what did she do the whole time? She just had her hands clasped yeah, and bro, just fucking squeezed that's, her. That's kind of sus, man. It, it is what it is. It is fighters what it is. will do that. They'll actually, like, look for information for no, other. It's all the time. It's so, all the time. The fight's a fight, but it's all the time. You, and, and, and listen, it's gamemanship. It's gamemanship. It who is. do you think is the best pound for pound female on the planet right now? You got to go with Amanda because she carries two. All right, that's what I was about to ask you. You like, you like Amanda over Valentina? T- technical ability? Well, yes, because. How do I how do I take Valentina over Amanda when when there's been two wins by this woman? Amanda's beat her twice. Maybe like don't you think styles make fights like let's say I lose to you two times. Correct. Because you have an advantage on me that yeah. I'm weak at. What if I'm better than him who beat you? It's MMA math. Yeah. It's MMA math. Happens all the time. So Valentina, do you see anybody taking the title from her from that division? I think she might go on like a ten fight win streak, bro. Not really anyone yet. Maybe Andrea Lee down the line, you know. Honest to God, man, like I really, I know, I know it didn't go our way, but I mean, I love another crack at her with Jessica. I really Dude, would. I thought Jessica just had. I think Jessica can make that fight dirty, and that's what we wanted to do. I don't think Val, like fighters like Valentina. They, just like you said, they're not really used to that. They want harmony. Right. They're not really used to when it, things get awkward yeah. or dirty. But you guys got to also think too, man. You know, we we're all athletes in some way or another. When the lights come on and and the fucking lights and cameras and TVs and all that shit. Sometimes game plans don't. Yeah, dude. How is really it walking there. out? Like, what is? Are you nervous? No, I, I. To this point, not really. I fucking love it, dude. Yeah, I feel I like, dude. That's like it. you're living the life. I mean, I just got a big smile on my face every time. Dude, all he, all you do is train all day. You just train, watch MMA, help fighters, and go to yeah. big ass events, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's fun. So I'm gonna ask you this. There's a lot of. Before I move on to this, I was just talking about about this earlier with you. You train fighters in both Bellator and UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've been writing about in my articles recently is fighter pay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually one of the biggest ongoing issues, not just in MMA, but in sports, because a lot of people feel like MMA fighters are just getting fucked mm. money-wise, and it's the most, they're taking on more risk than any other sport. So I was just going to ask you, what do you think of these, the fighters you train? Do they prefer Bellator? Do they prefer the UFC? Which one of these organizations do you feel like feel like is more lenient with money, more willing to give up money to the fighters? Well, actually, the only Bellator guy that I have is Ryan, Ryan Couture. Ryan and, Couture? Yeah, he's the only Bellator guy that I have, and, and Bellator treats him well. And some of these organizations, it, it's all contractual. What, what do they do? Are they flat pay, right? Or, or do they allow sponsorships? You know, Phil Davis, he made a good choice going to Bellator. Why? Well, you know, he had affliction. He had other sponsors that pay him a good amount of money on a, on a yearly basis. So if I say, hey, man, Affliction's going to pay me half a million a year, right? 
just to be fighting for Bellator. And if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. So I can stay in the UFC, maybe contend for a title, which he wasn't, right? I mean, Phil Davis was kind of the gatekeeper. No, for Phil a while. Davis was like on a comeback. He lost to, no, he beat Gus. But yeah, he started losing fights like right before he was about to get the Correct. title shot. So it made sense for him to go to Bellator and be the top top. Right, he is one of the. Is he the? He's not the champ right now. Is not, he Ryan he's Bader's? not, and he's kind of he's kind of on his decline, I think. But in this particular instance that we're speaking of, guys that are jumping ship and going over Bellator, to me, it has a lot to do with either a where they're at in the pecking order in the UFC. Right? Can they contend in the top over in Bellator? And we see that with Ryan Bader. Yeah, right. Ryan Bader's a champ champ in Bellator. Didn't Dude. didn't do shit in the UFC low key. And he's killing it. Yeah, right. And he's making a shit ton of money. And he's making a shit ton of money. You look at Michael Chandler, right? That dude is a Bellator namesake. Right, and, and, and Chandler could definitely compete in the UFC and contend. But is he that top of, you know, Yeah, are you going to take him five? against Habib, Tony, Of course Connor? not. Of course yeah. not. But again, he's the, their brand in Bellator yeah. and makes a lot of money doing that. So you have to ask yourself, do I want to be the 1A, 1B in Bellator or do I want to be front number four or five down the line here over at the UFC? Do the fighters in Bellator like think like, oh, the competition is better in the UFC. It's the harder league. They don't give a fuck about that. Honestly, at this point, I don't think guys don't give a fuck as long as the checks are clearing. And did you watch um, Bare Knuckle Boxing? Did you hear about that? Shit? I didn't get to see it. You know, we had fought that night on Saturday. You've um, heard about that bullshit. Oh yeah, I watched it. Do I mean, they pay I watched well? the. So I, from what I heard, some guys are getting paid pretty well. But there's been some shoddy organizations that I know that, like, Phil Brony did one, and Phil said they never even paid him, you know? At Bare Knuckle? Yeah, they didn't even pay him. Dude, Artem Lobov's getting his, like, he's getting, these fighters are, like, getting fucked up for, I hope they're getting, like, they should be making more money than From what guys. I heard, Pauly got, like, $300,000, from what I heard, you know? Pauly was talking so much shit, man. That dude came out flat. Yeah, well. And honestly, I thought after this fight, I thought we were going to be like maybe Pauly beat Connor in that sparring match a couple years ago. No, no shot. No. I don't know how Connor's that good, though, on pure boxing. Yeah, he's That's slick. pretty fucking good. Uh, he's slick. Impressive. Yeah, he's slick. Who do you got in that division? For which one? That lightweight division. Who's your favorite fighter in, in that division? Habib? Lightweight? Yeah, I like Khabib a lot, man. You um, think Tony could beat him? Yeah, I think Tony's tricky enough to find a way to beat him. Really? I think Tony's a, Tony's a tough out. I think he's going to be the hardest fight for him, to be honest with you. I agree. Do I you think, think Tony and, beats Connor? Uh, I think Tony beats Connor, yeah. I do. Damn. I think Tony beats Connor. I hope Connor wins, man. Tony, Tony, here's the thing about Tony is that motherfucker is on a different level type of savage. I agree. I agree. He's that a fool. sick fuck. Dude. He moves forward nonstop. He'll, a, he'll take a, whatever he's damage. He's a sick fuck, dude. Did you see the Anthony Pettis fight? He got dropped. He got, did a backflip, got up, yeah. just kept pressing forward. Yeah, no, he's, he's a different breed of cat, for sure. So I'm going to ask you, uh, the rest of the year is pretty, there's some pretty big cards. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple fights. Mm -hmm. I want you to name the winner and why before we head out. Um, I was going to ask you John Jones versus Tiago Santos, but I actually, you know, it's funny. A lot of people are saying, Oh, dude, John's easily going to win that fight. Mm. I don't know if he's ever fought someone that explosive and aggressive who can, like, jump and close distance that fast. Mm. So I'm a little worried. Like, what happens if Tiago connects, which I think he will one time at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always that what if in MMA, especially with four-ounce gloves. You, you, know? think this, you think this is a one-sided matchup, Jones versus Tiago? I do, yeah. Really? I think, I think John just is one of the best at using his range. I don't think a guy's going to jump in on him with anything. Well, isn't Tiago almost as big as him right now? It's just the way he uses his range. He's all kicks, teeps, long, long, super long. Those oblique he... kicks are crazy. Yeah, he's good at he's good at all that. What, what do you think about Johnny Walker in that division? 
Do you know who he is? Yeah. That fucker. Yeah, I watched him fight a number of times. Do you he think actually, he could beat John? Yeah, I mean, I think if John was smart in a fight like that, John would just fucking blast double him. Put him There's right no way back. he could stand with him, yeah. You know? Um, it, well, here's the thing is, do you, do you coin flip with a guy, right? Where are you better at with a guy? And I say coin flip, so I'll, I'll use the example when I had Roy Nelson versus uh, Derek Lewis. And that, that's a coin flip if you stand and bang, right? But if you take the guy down and make him wrestle and make him work, your, your tides start to turn a little bit towards you. What did Roy do in that fight? Uh, he lost a split, but he, he in my mind, Performed, I saw fight. him. He's still training. He's still yeah. trying yeah, to be active training. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about Stipe versus DC? Man, that's a tough one. I love fucking Stipe. I do too, he's bro. A, he's a good, good dude, man. I, I, and I like both those guys a lot. Uh, to be honest with you, I got to think it's the same song. I think so, dude. I think I think DC is just on that level right now. I think DC is a top five you know, fighter he's, ever. He's never been beat at heavyweight. You know, I saw him last week. He looked good. Um, but damn, dude, I really like Stipe he's, as well. He said this might be his retirement fight. Could be. Could wherever. Could I want to see be. that third fight, bro. With him and Jones. Because I think everybody laughs at me. I really think he could beat John. Mm. You, did you see the last fight? I, that last fight was very close. Mm. That last fight, they were going at it. John knocked him out, but that fight was. Yeah, see, see, you know, Brandon Gibson, man, he's a good friend of mine. He's he's a, such a great job and tactician. He's his wrestling coach, or no, no? Brandon Gibson is the striking coach. John Jones is oh, yeah. striking coach, but he catches. Uh, you know, he's great at seeing tendencies. You know, and, and one of those tendencies. That might was, be. Everybody was, says that's like one of the best camps in the world. Who? Greg Jackson's. Well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, people, dude. people, it is. You know, people think it is. People think it's. They, good for them, they haven't had. They haven't had that many. Have they had AKA has had more champions than them right now? Um, I know sure. they trained George St. Pierre, but yeah, I'm not sure. What do you think of Adesanya versus Whitaker? Uh, I've cornered against both, and uh, for you know, who? Who'd you corner? Brad. Brad fought them both. Oh, he did, huh? Yeah, Brad fought them both. Brad's only Brad's last two losses are to those two guys. What does he think? What do you think about those both those guys? Because that's a so you know, Whitaker, Whitaker's movement, the way Whitaker. Has able to close distance. Fuck, man, I got it. I, I just, I feel like I got to go with Whitaker. Me too. But Adesanya has like such fu a high fucking ceiling. Like, who knows how good this dude is? He might be. I just, he's too one-sided. I feel like he can't really generate offense grappling. Yeah. But he looked damn good on the ground his last fight. He was rolling and everything. Yeah, and that and that was one one of the areas that I think with when we had Brad fight Israel in that camp. You know, Brad did a really good job. We wrestled a whole lot. Uh, but the one thing that I think we – fatal flaw that we had was, is we didn't have a guy super tall that can, you know, run the split really wide. And we're trying to hit that double, and his legs are this far apart. You know, you have to switch off to that single and try to start – How did Brad manage that strike? How did he go up against Adesanya striking? Like, how did – how was it, like, going up against that? I mean, it, it was a five-round five war, you know. And, and Israel got the better of Brad, and he won that fight. Um he broke Brad's forearm in the first round. Was Brad willing to uh, throw with him? Or was oh, he like, was fuck, I should take him down? No, nah, I mean, we wanted to try to take him down a little bit just, just because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, we wanted to try to wear on the kid. You know, you score those takedowns, you want to make a guy pummel, you may want to make him work back up. Even if the takedown doesn't succeed into, like, a submission or a lot of ground and pound, you're talking about a five-round fight where you want to chip away at a guy and wear on him, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make him pummel. You want to make him fucking use his arms so that punch power doesn't have a sting later on in the fourth and fifth round. You know, so you want to try to chip away at a guy. You want to cook on him. So a guy that's more of a kickboxer who's long and lanky, you got to fucking sag on him and make him use his arms. Um, 
And did I, I don't remember that fight. Did Brad like get in the clinch a lot, working against? Um, the team? Brad scored a, I think a couple takedowns, took his back at one point. Um, it was a you know it was a close fight in the start, and then Israel started to find his rhythm. I feel like Whitaker just has like the, is the safer pick, but Adesanya striking, even though I'm not too high on it like mm. everybody else is, it's just so. I didn't think he looked that good against Anderson. I thought he should have knocked Anderson out. I think yeah. Anderson shouldn't be fighting. I think I think to me that you gotta you gotta kind of look at the situation. That was a no-win situation for, for Israel. Israel. It was a no-win situation. So you have to fight that dude smart. You really do. And even if that means fucking taking a decision, right, to get out of it. Daniel Cormier did that low-key. Right. I mean, think about it. You have a lot to risk. I'll, I'll, I'll take it one step further. Look at last weekend with uh, um, Korean Zombie, right? Where did he fuck up against Yair? Where? I don't know. Last 10 seconds. He was oh yeah, we talked about where Yair had that. Dominating. Was that that one? Yeah. Oh my so God, now, so now let's 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 that. look at the narrative on that story, right? Korean Zombie just fucking coasts that last round. He does backflips. He does cartwheels. He just walks around, right? I'm not telling you to take the round off. Even even up to that fifth round was won by him, but Fight IQ tells you, hey man, you don't need to get in a fucking gunfight in the last ten seconds. You've already had the fight yeah. won. That might have cost him a title shot now, right? Because now he goes out and starches Makanya or whatever his name is. And Ata Moikana, who is fucking dope. That starched him. So now look at this. Had he won and beat Yair, starched this motherfucker, you're talking about a top three, right, in Korean Zombie. Do you think Korean's touching Max? Korean Zombie? I mean, dude, he's a guy He's a guy that's quite capable of beating anybody. You think so? Bro, remember when he messed up Poirier? Yeah, he did, huh? Fuck Poirier. He knocked yeah. his ass out. Yeah, I think he, he darched him. him. I think he was oh, yeah. If he I dropped him in that fight, though. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about a guy who, who took three years off to go into the military. Yeah, he got drafted right? by North Korea. That's right. some crazy shit. But, you know, when you start talking about the fight IQ, right, you go back to Israel in a situation where, dude, I, if I get beat by this dude, now what? Right? I could just pick him apart with my jab and just coast and make my money and get home and now fight for the interim title. This is who's thinking? Israel, Israel in, the, yeah. in, the, in the point that you're bringing up with, with uh, Anderson, right? Ah, he could have knocked him He could have lost that Kelvin fight. I had Kelvin in that, going into that fight. I thought Look. Kelvin would have beat him too. I thought that, that was a dirty fight for him. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you about this one. Um, this is one of my most excited fights of the year. You trained this fighter. I saw him. It was probably one of the dope experiences of my life, meeting that fool. But Francis Ngannou versus JDS. Yeah. Well, before we get into the specifics of that, what do you think of that fight? Who do you got? Obviously, I'm going to assume you're... Yeah, I got to go with Francis, obviously. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, so Francis has been at the gym for a while. He's, uh, he's a guy that I feel like has been feeling more comfortable and filling those holes in his game, right? Where How's well, he on the ground? He's actually pretty damn good. He's actually pretty damn good. He's putting that work in. You know, so he trains a lot of his ground stuff with Vinny Magalesh. He does his striking with Dewey Cooper. You know, so I think he's got a lot of good guys that, that, that surround him. But moreover, he has the bodies. And guys are in there now with big boys that have been, you saw when you came to the gym. I, yeah, There's some dude, big boys in there sparring with him. So at that size, at that level, it's very hard to find competent sparring partners. Where do you see... Francis losing the fight. If he were to lose, where do you are you most like scared of? Like ah, we should. I'm not cornering for this fight. Obviously, I've I have some stuff in with them. Um, so some of the things that we talked about, and and you got to think, man, it's the heavyweight division. Anything you know, one wrong move in the heavyweight division will cost you this fight, right? So for me, I think Francis needs to touch, touch, and then throw power. 
not overthrow his punches, right? Falling over where you throw one big punch. Why do you? Why is it feet. better to touch, touch than throw power? Than well, just because what happens when you touch guys get their hands up, get their guard up, and then your power comes after, right? Oh, okay. But if you start overthrowing stuff where you're they falling, see over, well, you start falling over your feet, and that's where you have a problem with defending the takedown. Oh, okay. Right, and and if if I'm in, if I'm Junior Santos' camp, I need to incorporate some wrestling. You think Junior can wrestle? That's the scary. He, he can, and he has a very good ground game. But here's the thing: is you need to incorporate it at some point. You have to put the element of wrestling into your game against Francis. Nguyen. Because if he stands, he might get blown Correct. through. If you don't, if you're not worried about fucking getting taken down, you're just gonna find, you're gonna start hammering. Dude, Junior, his power used to be insane. Like, he used to tap people and they'd fall. Um, I just don't think... I think he's gotten a lot older, and I think if Francis connects once... That would just be so crazy if Francis just blows through Kane and Jr. back-to-back. I, I, Did he blow back? Was Kane his last fight? Uh, yeah. Kane was That's actually fight. very fucking crazy. He deserves a title shot. If yeah, he I agree. This. I agree. Do you yeah. think he could beat DC? Uh, I do. I think he could beat anybody if he touches them. I do. I mean, I've held pads for this guy where he, hold, he, hold, he has usually 20-ounce or uh, boxing gloves on. And I can feel his knuckles through my hand, holding pads for him. Yeah, dude, what the? So, I mean, like, he'll, he'll he throws hit. throws that full force against you? Well, yeah, I'll catch pads for him, and I want him to hit. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm going to hit hard, and I'll f I can feel his knuckles through, the, through his boxing glove, through my pad, in my hands. So you think he could be a champion one day in that division? I think he's doing all the right things to get there now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and before, when you asked me, if you asked me that prior to the Stipe fight, I would have said no. Because yeah, bro. What? Ever since that fight, like the fight after too, he got like it changed something in him. I feel like. I think the, I think there's just a lot of understanding who you are as a fighter. I think the experience, fans, experience, all those things. I think they rushed him. You know, I think he they needed. Did. A, I His think he needed up. like a maybe like a Verdum or somebody before Stipe. You think he would have beaten Verdum? Never know. Never Dude, know. the UFC rushes all their fighters. Like they see the name value. Adesanya, he's drawing noise. Boom, throw him in the hell fire. For sure. They kind of built him up, though. Like, they did the same thing with Connor. Connor had no business fighting Dennis Seaver, in my opinion. Mm. I don't know if you remember that fight. Yeah, he was just, fight. dude, throw him up against a contender. But I'm going to ask you this last fight. Um, Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis. I got to go with Pettis. Yeah, me too. Leg kicks. Why? Leg chop, kicks? Chop him. Dude, chop Pettis him. is, I think he's one of the most overrated fighters I've ever seen in my life. Pettis is overrated? You think so or no? He just maybe. He, he has just, his moments. I he think just he can't sustain that dominance. Is like that he, 170, yeah? 170, yeah, but he was original 155, yeah. But this fight's at 170. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I go Anthony. Yeah, and Nate Diaz has been out for a while. I don't think they're trying to talk about Connor versus Diaz three. Con, you know, listen, I love Nate. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. He's exciting. He doesn't check kicks. We got a heavy kicker. We got a guy who was setting up all of his punches with his kicks who? against uh, Pettis versus uh, Tompkins oh. or Thompson. That was a stupid. That was a crazy fight. Crazy bro. fight, but you know. <sighs> Uh, Steven was winning that. Wonder Boy was winning that fight. Yeah, he was winning that fight. But Anthony was setting things up for later on as it was the going Superman the punch, bro. Yeah, I've I mean, never the Superman seen that. punch was was beautiful. But what he was doing with the leg work was was in my mind was even better. Dude, it's just crazy because Stephen Thompson, in my opinion, one of the most talented fighters in the world, especially right. stand up wise. He might have one of the best striking in the. Well, UFC. how do you take away a guy's movement? You take him down. You chop his legs up. Yeah. Kick the shit out of his legs. You know. Did he kick his legs enough? Yeah, oh, he did. Kick the shit out of his legs. My thing is, where do you go next for these guys? Like, there's no titles. Do you think there's a? He can't compete for. It. These are just gatekeepers. I mean, you know, they're making good money. 
you know, and I, I, I hope they're all smart with their money and I hope they make good money and put it away and do all the Yeah, do things. fighters, like, how do you, is this money, do they have to blow a, a lot of the money they get? This is one thing I've always wondered before we finish up. Do the fighters, when they get paid, do they, is it on them to pay for the training camp? Correct. Or, so the money they get paid for, they use to su supply their training camp. So let's let's break it down like this. So Puna Soriano, right? Just went on the contenders, got his mm -hmm. got his got his contract. So Puna is now going to go in the UFC. He's going to go on a three fight deal, first deal. First fight will be for ten thousand and ten thousand, ten thousand to show, ten thousand to win. So he can possibly make a total amount of $20,000. And really quickly, that's all the money he gets in that fight? No under the table money? That's it? That's all he's going to get in a fight like that. And then you'll, you'll get your compensation from Reebok, which is, I don't even know what the beginner guys get, 1500 bucks. Okay. Bullshit. Nothing. Do you get more your next fight? Yes. So everything will, will move up. So now second fight will be for 12 and 12. Third fight, I think it may be 14, 14. So, pending on the contract, of course, but I'm just giving you. And you have to. I'm assuming you're going to have to win those three fights if you want to get another contract. You you would hope, time. but but to go back to your point, so let's say Puna wins his fight, and I'm his head coach, right? And I charge 10 percent, so he makes 20 grand. I get two thousand dollars. This is an eight week training camp, so you got to think how many hours that you put in for an eight week training camp with a guy. Then you go on the road and you travel. You go yeah, away dude. from your family. And the most amount of money you're going to make as a coach or a trainer might be two grand. So and in your shit. mind, when I know, but when you're doing it, I feel like you, well, you love the game, right? So it's not, you don't, you're not thinking about the money while you're like right. doing the training. It's, it's an investment. Yeah. You know, I've been with Dan Ige for nine fights. So we got in the UFC and this is the process. It was 10 and 10, 12 and 12. And it's, you just take 10% from all your fighters? Well, it just depends on the fighter. Depends on the fighter. So we'll sit down and talk about that. Like when Lance Palmer fought in the PFL, I took a lower percentage because he ended up winning a million dollars, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So, you know, you, it's kind of up to up to the fighter and where they're at in their pay and where they want to bring you on. Like, you know, some, some fighters negotiate certain numbers and it's wherever we're both comfortable with. And before, my last question for you is, do you train any fighters right now that you could see making noise in the game in a couple of years? I Future see. champions, you know, dominators. Yeah, I see quite a bit. You know, I mean, I have I have the utmost faith in a, in a lot of my who's, fighters. Who's your one of your underground fighters? Well, that you have faith in? I mean, I wouldn't say underground. I'm going to say people that are in the UFC and just kind of moving their way up. And one of them is going to be this weekend is Emily. Emily Wimai. I saw you hitting pads with her. She she's a fucking little killer. She's dude. a strawweight contender, right? Mm -hmm. She's a stud. I've seen. Yeah. I saw like a clip of she's her. She's she's a little killer, uh, and she's a girl who is kind of just. Believing in the process, and it's, it's it'd be like the same equivalent of, you know, being a quarterback and having seven different offensive coordinators, right? Mm -hmm. She's been in the same system for four or five years now, and you're starting to see the benefits of being in that system, right? Now, when you get up to the line of scrimmage, your audibles and everything is just. What's your football team? Uh, Florida State guy. Oh, do you watch NFL? A little bit. Oh. I watch it. I'm, I don't have a team. team. Uh, what's your NFL team? I don't really have one. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. A Niner fan. We fucking. Yeah, <laughs> talk about that right now. So but definitely Emily, um, Danny Gay. You know, we just won our fourth fight, uh, four in a row at the featherweight division in the UFC. So Dan should be knocking on that top 15 door. Uh, he's one of those guys. Um, you know, there's 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 quite a few young guys coming up through the ranks right now. I think Puna Soriano is a guy to keep an eye on. You train him? Puna, I don't train, but he's one of my one of our guys in the gym. Mm -hmm. uh, but so just because they're in their, their in your gym doesn't mean you're their head trainer. No, no, uh -uh. Well, there's so many coaches in our gym. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I probably have the majority of the guys that are in the UFC, but you know, there's guys that I've cornered that either a like, hey, I've been busy, or they need more attention, or whatever else. 
at the end of the day, I don't give a shit who they use as long as they're winning fights. You know, and I'm, I'm always there for them. It doesn't matter. We're all one team. And it doesn't mean, hey, this guy's using this guy, so I'm not talking to him. Yeah, all those, all those fucking wins, bro, add up on our, our on same your board. Own, yeah. yeah, man, it's on my head. So I want to see you guys. Shit. Dude, you guys have a couple good fighters. I think, I really do believe France is going to bring home a belt to you guys. I think he will. I think Within a got, year. Yeah. You know, the, the cool thing is I really enjoyed this was um, I jumped his shit like about a month ago. What do you mean? Like, he just, you know, he fucking showed up late and didn't have his shit and whatever. And... Just because you're Francis Ngannou doesn't yeah, mean you're you, going like, to get any. Yeah, you him? Yeah, I fucking what the, the shit. fuck? So, I mean, here, here's the deal is why, why should he get preferential treatment over anybody else that's doing all the same things in the gym, right? Number two, is that a fucking championship mindset? No. No. What's the championship mindset, right? Doing all the little things right. Being on time. Showing up prepared. Getting your fucking tape on. Having your shit ready to go. Get off your fucking phone. You know? And I jumped his shit. Do you think he beats Stipe again? That's the tough. That's the fight that's coming his way. That he, you know, I I think he can beat Stipe. He almost knocked Stipe out with with one punch that he just missed, and damn near closed the guy's face up. So Francis is a guy that anybody that he touches, he can knock, he knock out. out. He can knock out. He might have more power than I've ever seen anybody have in that division's history. But what's crazy is that he's hit guys and has knocked them out and hasn't hit them clean. Right? He's put dudes down. I don't think that Cain Velasquez shot was clean by any means. It wasn't. And it what like happened? scraped him. Right. Fell. And the dude tried saying his knee hurt. Like, boy, you drop. Bro, Come on. My knee would hurt too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd play dead, bro. I'd be like, yeah. there's a bear so, there. So, you know, Francis, I think, is it, uh, Francis is coming around now where, where he feels comfortable. He has a team and a group around him that care about him, that push him. You know, um, his manager called me. And I thought, and I know his manager very well. He's a good friend of mine. He called me, and I thought his manager was going to call me and give me shit about jumping him, uh, you know, jumping. They his do shit. that. Managers are like that involved. Yeah, a lot of them are. And he actually thanked me and said that Francis called him and told him that I jumped his shit and that he he felt he felt happy that I did. He said, "Man, it was nice to see somebody give a shit the way yeah, Eric did." You know, he gets away with murder, and you know he can do whatever the fuck he wants because mm -hmm. he's Francis Ngannou. And I was like, "Not here, motherfucker." You know, Dude, I wonder how the <laughs> fuck he took that. How did he take that? Was he like, he was he, he mad or was he not like, at all? He just kind of shook his head and listen. There, there's guys at that level that need to be coached. Everybody needs to have that. And whether I'm the guy to do it for him or not, it doesn't matter. But it's my gym and my team. If I walked in this house today and you guys said, "Hey, take off your shoes before you come in," I'm gonna take off my shoes. It's your home. I respect, respect that. Yeah, it's respect, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in my fucking house, show up on time. Be prepared. Be ready to go. Class starts at 3.30, right? You're there that day. Yeah. Get the fuck on the mats, yeah. boys. You know, it's time to work. That's championship mindset. So when you start looking back at the reasons why you're not winning titles, right, it's about self-accountability. It's not about what you did wrong or that guy did wrong or this coach or this something. It's all about you first, motherfucker. Figure that out. It's right? hard to win a title, bro. Dude, it's, it's hard. It's so the, hard. The variables are so deep in reasons why. And you have to like reset like five or six times because after every fight you have to reset and refresh. There, there, there's a there's a one of my one of my best friends and great coaches, you know, and rest in peace, Robert Fallis, but he would always say this. He said, There's a reason why when you see somebody win a title, they drop on their knees and cry. Cause it took that much fucking It wasn't fucking easy, bro. It wasn't fucking easy. Really quickly, because you're on cam, we made I made a bet with one of our friends. If you win a title, you get a percentage of the pay-per-view buys, right? If you have that negotiated in your contract. God damn it. He won it. I so, lost the argument. So, <laughs> so and, and I don't know, right? I mean, I've had some fight for titles, but I, I can tell you this. Jessica did not have pay-per-view in her contract. 
had she had a, a if she went into it as the champion she might have or no say she won the title and then the next fight definitely she could yeah, lean okay, on yeah, negotiating yeah. on on that pay-per-view buys. in this particular instance i know that she wasn't getting pay-per-view buys on that and and that and some some contracts have that even even non even non-title holders you know, there's percentage of pay-per-view buys. Oh, bro. Yeah, Connor has to. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot no of those way. guys. Anybody in that heavyweight division can kind of command for that. You think Connor is the biggest pay-per-view buy still in the UFC? Absolutely, absolutely, he is. You know. Fuck, I can't stop talking about this fool. Yeah. But anyway, Eric, thank you, my guy. Bro, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you for your input. Yeah. I'm gonna give a, my own segment. I'll be right back. Bare knuckle boxing. Hinato Lovato. Is that how you pronounce his name? Do you know who that guy is? Lovato. Yeah. Dude, he just beat Gegard Mousasi. Yeah. Yeah. That fucker is so good. Yeah. But, 40 uh, some years old. Who? Hanato's 40 yeah. something years old? No, Lovato's 40 some years old. Well, thank you, everybody, and I'll be back in a second. Cool. Whoo, shit. All right. Now that I'm alone, um, Eric left. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a little nervous. I was nervous that whole time. That was my first time ever doing some shit like that. Um, and it was with the a guy that trains hella pro fighters. Like this dude just, Francis Ngannou just came up to him, fist bumped him, like all nonchalantly. So I was like, and I never like had a, like a serious conversation with him before. So I was like, fuck, what do I talk about? Is this conversation gonna be lasting? I stuttered a couple times. I looked stupid as all shit, but overall it was a great interview. Um, it was my first time doing that. First of many, I think I did pretty good. Um, pretty well, I mean, sorry. But overall, I got to get my grammar right. Um, I was very pleased with it. And just his information and his knowledge is what I'm really looking for. Uh, one of my goals on this podcast is I want to kind of kind of microdose MMA. I don't want to just talk about the dramatics. Like we all love the dramatics. And I know that's what a lot of people want to hear. But I also want to show people that I know the sport. So talking to a guy like him, um, was actually very, I felt like I grew as a person in the last 30 minutes, dead ass. Um, that was very hard. I was literally shaking the whole time. I still can't get over that, but that was honestly one of the dopest experiences of my life. Um, I'm just happy, I wanted that, I wanted that full on. I'm happy I closed it. Um, and it's pretty insane, man. This dude, this dude really trained and you know, he went through the whole thing with Jessica. Um, and the only reason I'm making such an emphasis on this is because going into that fight, I was hyping up Valentina. Like everybody knows who I've talked to MMA with knows how big I am on Valentina. And that shit was just insane. So the fact that I got a, a connect that was Jessica's head coach to talk about that specific knockout was pretty dope. Um, his knowledge of the game, if you heard how he was talking, like he just knew immediately the techniques that should be implemented uh, in that certain situation based off their stances, based off where their arms were. He like broke everything down to a T. So that was really dope. Um, one thing I would have loved to talk to him more about was recap this last week in MMA. Um, bro, I wanna talk about, I feel like I had to talk about this bullshit this week. It was actually very kind of interesting. Bare knuckle boxing, the bare knuckle fighting championship. It's a, it's a boxing league. Um, it's kind of, I think it's in, it's like an octagon, but with like ropes. So it's like an octagon in a boxing ring mix. It's p no MMA gloves. You're throwing pure fists. It's probably one of the, it's the most barbaric combat sports organization in the world. And just like Eric said, he heard rumors that some, some of the fighters didn't even get paid. Um, one of the busters I work with had the guy, I forgot his name, David something maybe. 
I don't know if it was David per se, but the head, the leader, the promoter, the CEO, whatever you want to call him, of Bare Knuckle was at his table at Jewel. My friend was busting his table. Said the guy was like a fucking, just a slime ball, but he tipped him $100, so I guess he couldn't be that much of a slime ball. But uh, besides the point, the, there was a big fight in uh, Bare Knuckle FC this last weekend. Paulie Malinaji, the former boxer, former, former two-time world champion, was fighting Artem Lobov, Conor McGregor's teammate, the Russian hammer, uh, former UFC fighter. So basically, there was a lot of beef between these two fucking sides. It all started with Pauly versus Conor. Ooh. Everybody remembers uh, during the Mayweather fight, Conor started talking shit on Pauly Malinaji. Sorry about that, JD. Uh, Pauly, Conor started talking shit on him, disrespecting him. Um, then he flew Pauly out to his camp, and a, there was a, a sparring match. And ever since that sparring match, Conor has posted pictures on social media of Pauly just getting fucked up. And Pauly has just been so defensive and insecure on social media. Oh, he didn't do shit. He's a liar. That's bullshit. They framed me. So going into this fight, he was so cocky. He said, this fight isn't Artem Lobo, Lobo versus Pauly Malinaji. It's Pauly Malinaji versus Artem Lobo. He's basically saying he's the pay-per-view draw, the main draw of the card. Dude, this fucker got waxed. It was a weird fight. I'm not going to say he just got ran through. It was a competitive fight. But, like, how the fuck are you going to convince the whole world that you beat Conor McGregor in a sparring match when Artem Lobov maxed your shit? That dude, I don't know what business this dude Pauly has fighting anymore. I don't think he's that good. He was a very respectful man, respectable man with great analysis when he was a commentator for boxing. And the next thing I know, the commentator for boxing is talking shit to all these people, acting like just like a clown. Dude, I do not fuck with this dude. Pauly Malinaji is just not nice, not a good fighter. I don't, I don't really see, he's a trash talker, but like, bro, stop talking shit for attention to Conor McGregor, acting cocky, like you're above him, like your boxing is worlds away from his. This dude maxed you. So don't say boxing, he said in an interview, MMA fighters don't die, boxers die. That's why their fans are more non-realistic. Bro, MMA, bro, you have thicker gloves in boxing. You can't get kicked in the head in boxing. Shut the fuck up. Like, the danger's just the same, if not more. So I'm just pretty much tired of this Paul Malinaji dude. Paulie Malinaji dude, man. I've been hearing his name in the media the past two years. The dude is not good. The dude should not fight, does not deserve a fight against Conor McGregor. The dude's not even the face of bare-knuckle boxing, man. The dude lost to Artem Lobov, who, I mean, is good and all. I'm not saying he's trash, but, like, He's a brawler. Like, he's not a technical fighter. He's not that great. Like, he couldn't stay in the UFC. So, yeah, the whole bare-knuckle shit, honestly, in my opinion, is kind of bullshit. Um, I think Pauly, Eric said Pauly Malinaji got $300,000 for that fight. Boy, if you're beating my face in with your bare-knuckles, I want more than $300,000. The fuck is that going to do for me? I mean, it'll do a lot for me, so I can't even front. But, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, get, you can get $300,000 fighting in... Bellator, One, Ryzen, U the UFC, make your namesake, but don't just go in bare-knuckle boxing and do that shit. I mean, if you need the money, you need the money, just like Eric said. This sport's really all about getting paid. Um, that's pretty much all I, had, I wanted to talk about was that bare-knuckle boxing uh, bullshit. Next week, I have the UFC 239 predictions. By the way, I like having guests on, but I really like filming alone because I just can't stop talking. I could just keep on talking. No one, I can just keep going and going. But um, next week we have UFC 239 predictions. I'm sure everybody's going to want to see that. Um, UFC 239 is probably 
one of the biggest fight cards of the year. Um, there's been a couple good ones, but it's absolutely stacked. The best fighter in the world's headlining that card, uh, Mr. John Jones, and Amanda Nunez versus Holly Holmes, the coming event. So, and there's a bunch of other good fights. Jorge Masvidal versus Ben Askren, like what? Um, I think, um, uh, what's that fool's name that you sent me? I have my first, Sean O'Malley. <laughs> One of my favorite up and, coming, up and coming fighters is on that card. So, you know, as we wrap things up, before I head out, I'm gonna say thank you to Eric um, for coming on the show. Um, he's a busy man, so he took time out of his schedule for us and gave us great insight. Probably knew more MMA than anybody I've ever talked to in my life, actually, that I'm being quite honest. But I'm very thankful for the shirt he gave me. Nice guy. As you see, I'm repping it. Um, so yeah, thank you, Eric. Thank you, everybody, uh, for tuning in, and I'll uh, see you next week. Mm -hmm.